everyone this morning? Doing good, huh? I'm doing good too. Doing very good. Um, you know, you get up on Sunday morning and the next thing you know, you're hearing the Word of God. That was some great word from Pastor Dan today. Um, he, he talked about the consciousness again, but uh, it's very important for you to understand. He said some things that are very true. He said a lot of times we spend a lot of our time in the world around us because we have so many things that we have to handle and stuff. And last week he said it's because we're human. And that's just the way we do. But what if you can have the, the consciousness uh, constantly focused on God, your consciousness? Our consciousness is focused on the things that we need around us during the day. You know, a lot of things that we, all of us are going through some type of something every, every day, every week, whatever. But as those things happen, what we need to understand is, is that God is doing his work regardless. God is a constant. That's the thing that's important. God is constant. He's constantly loving us. I think it's uh, Psalms 40 and verse 5. It says he's constantly trying to give us his word. In fact, it's so much, it's more than, you know, that you can handle at one time, but it's always present. And, uh, but he tells us his word is always present. And it's for us, it's toward usward that he's bringing this word. Very powerful stuff. So for people to say, well, I, I don't haven't received a word from God. Yes, you have. He's constantly doing it. And when you hear the preaching, are you receiving a word from God? If you get the counsel, when you're being taught, are you receiving a word from God? You're receiving a word from God. Sometimes God will speak to you directly. I know he did it to me once, and uh, not once, more than once, but the, the first time I remember it, and he gave me a message of something I had to do. I had to follow instruction. Kind of reminds me of, of Abraham. He told me to go, but he didn't tell me where to go. And, but we wound up where we're at now in the truth. That is a very powerful thing. We wander a little bit, but we, we wound up in the truth. You follow God, and God will lead you to the truth. It, it, God has to be preeminent in your heart. The spirituality that we say we have, really it's our consciousness stayed on God. That's what it actually is. And so uh, we, we, that way we can communicate with the Spirit. We can have fellowship with it, and God can do his great things that he does toward us. Now, here's the thing that don't sit there and shake your head and say, God's not going to do that with me. He's not going to communicate with me from heaven. He's not going to talk to me like he talked to somebody else. He's not. Don't say that because what happened was there was a man that heard a, uh, a word when he was a little child. And, uh, and he was with uh, uh, a priest called Eli. But he was a young child. God spoke to him, but he thought it was Eli. Went to Eli and said, uh, yeah, you want me? And uh, he said, no, I didn't call you. He said, okay. Went back to bed, heard the voice again. Went to Eli again and said, uh, surely you called me this time. I heard it again. He said, no, uh, I, I didn't call you, but I'm going to tell you something. The next time you hear this, say, yay, Lord, and go from there. Went back to bed. Voice spoke to him again. It was the Lord. And he gave him some wonderful things. You got to go and read it. Gave him some wonderful things. I think it's the very first or second chapter of Samuel, 1 Samuel. But gave him some wonderful things. God spoke to a child. If he spoke to a child, are you not children of God? Ah, can he speak to you? Yeah, he can. 
God can speak to you. He spoke to me. I'm no bigger or better or any than anybody else. He'll speak to you. We're all the same. So it's a very important thing for you to understand that God does that. Um, I wanted to talk to you today about something that's um, very important because uh, I think just from what I've seen, not only in our church but in other churches, sometimes when God reproves you of something, it's taken the wrong way. Does that make sense? There's offense, there's anger, there's pride, there's all kinds of things because God is reproving you. Now, here's the thing. We, we put God in a place. Uh, Seth, could you get me uh, uh, Proverbs 6.23? And um, get, put it in the mic, too. Um, we're going to read that, but here's the thing. Here's another thing we do that's like the world, like our own flesh. Somebody tells us we did something wrong and tries to give us instruction. And we're like, oh, I don't want to hear that. Telling me I did something wrong. You, you, you bring, you're embarrassing me. You're doing this. You're doing that. It, this is the nature of man. This is the nature of his spirit, his flesh. And what happens is, is when, when there's a reproof coming, uh, we don't even like it. I, I know there was a time that, and I'm being very truthful here, there was um, uh, a man that came on my job one time, and uh, I don't know where he was from or whatever, but he was uh, an ultrasonographer. He, he knew a lot of stuff. And he watched me work and whatever, and he said, hey, you know what, Kenny, if you did this and this this way, it would go quicker for you, and you wouldn't have to put so much effort into this thing here. At first, my thought was, you know, he's telling me that now this guy didn't have as many years as I had in what I was doing, but he was right. That was the first thought that came to me. So what, what is he telling me? This? And then I thought about it and I followed what he said. And the next thing I knew that it, it was taking a certain set of measurements and, and I'd been doing it. I've been taking four and putting pictures in four different quadrants, whatever, and measuring each quadrant separate. He said, you don't have to do that. He said, just press the button and just go one, two, three, four on the, on the thing there, and it'll add them all up. You don't have to do a separate picture for each thing. Save me a couple minutes' work you know, from doing it. I did that from then on because it was right. It was some, he showed me a different way to do it. So uh, sometimes we get into that place. We've done something you know, well for a long time, and we feel like someone cannot come and tell us something. You know? But that's the furthest thing from the truth, man. And uh, you know what? <laughs> I love this. I've learned things from children. They made a statement about some children are honest, you know, and they, they make statements about certain things. You may not have thought about that way, but they're pretty honest. They just say it straight out. And I've learned things from children. They made a statement about something. You know what? That's right. That is right. So always be open to learning more, to gaining more. And that's what the whole thing is about with God when there's a reproof. These elders reprove us. The deacons reprove us. There are times that we're being reproved and, and God is showing us something by that reproof. So read that scripture for me. Read it real loud. For the commandment is a lamp. Stop. For what? The commandment. He prefaces it by saying the commandment is a what? It's a lamp. I'm going to give you some light, something that you need to follow. Here comes some light. It's a commandment. Here comes some light. Pay attention. Then what does he say? And the law is light. 
It is. Still the word of God, isn't it? And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So that law is the light, right? And reproofs, now you notice how it's written. Sometimes it's quoted wrong. Reproofs of instruction is what? Because sometimes we say reproof and instruction. Sometimes we say reproof. It's reproofs of instruction. Okay, think about it. What did God do to the seven churches? He appeared to them, showed them who he was, told them what they did good, told them what they did bad, and then what's the next thing? He gives them instruction to overcome that bad. He tells them how to repent, how to do the things that they need to do. Do it quickly or I'll take your candlestick. Remember when he says that? So he's doing these things. He gives us instruction. God doesn't say stop doing that and never tell you how to stop. He puts you right in it. He tells you, number one, he tells you the origin of that thing. That's why he did the, the bad, the good, all that stuff. He's telling them where it came from. So he tells you the origin of it. What is this thing that's bothering you? Have you ever stopped sometimes when you have something that you're going through? In the midst of that, let me tell you some of a secret if you haven't learned it by now. In the midst of that thing that you're struggling with, God has already given you instruction about what it is and where it came from. But you're so busy being upset or wrangling, wrestling with it or trying to reason with it or trying to do your own thing. I know what I can do. I can do this to overcome that. Making up your own thing, you know, going what what the flesh wants. You're not listening to what God is telling you about how that thing came to be in the first place. That's, That's kind of an amazing thing to me. I had to learn that the hard way, too. The thing that cracked me up about that was that God was telling me what to do the whole time. He's telling you where it comes from. And I tell you how that works. He brings it to, there's a big word we say sometimes, remembrance. The word comes in remembrance and said, this is what this is talking about. That's if you're listening. If you're not all huffed up and in turmoil about what, you know, you do that. It's never, you're not going to hear nothing. But what if you can stop for a second and, and say, Lord, help me here? You know, you're an ever-present help in the time and he helped me. And God will say, this, he'll bring something to you. And he said, oh, that's what, I'm actually living what he said in this word. Now, now he's showing me what this is all about. Then what do you do? You go run to the word and flip and see if you can find it and that ends it? No. Think about what he told you to do and then see if you can implement that in your thought right then. Put it in your thought. We're really dealing with thoughts, aren't we? Can you put that in your thought then and allow God to bring more understanding of it to you? Because he'll do that. In the midst of some of those things, he'll bring more understanding. We've got to give God the chance. Simple as that. So reproofs of instruction. Uh, Very important thing. Um, I'm going to tell you something today. We're going to talk about David again today. And, And you know what I'm going to talk about once you hear me start. Uh, there's, there's something that you're going to know right off the bat concerning this. And um, I'm just going to go through the story. It's too much to read. Uh, I'm going to read the first part of this. It says, It came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. If you go back a chapter, uh, the 10th chapter of um, 2 Samuel, you'll find out that he had done this one time before. He sent Joab out. He said, there's Syrians that need to be overcome. There's Ammonites. He said, you, you go take care of it. He's his general. You go take care of it. 
you know, and, and normally, what did David do normally? Yeah, he'd be right with him, right? He'd be in the battle right with him. But he told Joab, hey, you go on and take care of this. Well, Joab ran into some problems. They, they were defeating the enemy, you know, because Joab was a good general, so forth, whatever. But they didn't utterly destroy them. They couldn't bring them to a completion. How many times have we struggled with things and then we pop, it pops up later and you found out you didn't get rid of it like you thought you had? You may have fought well. You may have won that battle. But something pops back up again, doesn't it? Have you ever had, experienced that? It'll come back up and you say, man, I thought I was over. No, you're not. What, why is that coming back up? Is God trying to show you something? Uh, yeah. And so he's telling you that let him tell you when the completion of it is. When he delivers you, when he takes you into this thing, he'll let you know that you can walk past that thing now and not let it bother you. You will have the confidence of that. But until you do, you continue to seek God. God will tell you whether you're over that or not. Uh, I'm over pride. Well, that statement right there tells you you're not over pride. It, doesn't it? I, I'm done with pride. I'm o- I've overcome pride. Really? So why are you standing up telling all of us that you overcome pride? You still have a problem. You see how that works? It's funny how people think, they say, yeah, I can say these things. and do. Yeah, you can say them. And you realize by then that you are letting yourself be made known among the whole congregation. Seriously, stop and think about these things. So this is what was going on. So, uh, and, and what uh, he sent word back to the king. And he said, yeah, we didn't utterly destroy him. And we're having a problem here, whatever. David got up, got on his horse, went on out there. He led his part of the army and the other part, and they utterly destroyed them. And they, uh, I mean, so think about this. We can't walk alone either. Don't we need the anointing of the Lord when we walk? What what was David? Was he anointed king, priest, and prophet? Uh Uh-huh. And when he got there, they whipped them people to utter destruction. And so that was a lesson to him there. He didn't pay attention to it. Let me tell you now, he didn't pay attention to it. What did I just read a little while ago? Time of the kings going out to war. You know what that is, guys? All they're telling you is, is that no people like to fight in the wintertime or when it's raining or whatever. It's more difficult, right? They wait until the spring comes so they can, you know, have better weather and then they can fight and there's no big deal. They don't have to contend with anything else. And so that was the time for the kings to go out to war. You know what David did? Stay at the palace. He, said, he did it again. He said, Joab, you go take care of it. Now, the Lord has already proved to him he has to be with them. God has proven this to him. He has to be with them, but he didn't. Now, here's something I'm going to bring up. What happens when you've been doing all this stuff and you're back at the palace by yourself and you're idle? What will start happening to your mind? Yeah. It's ready to receive things. If you're supposed, even in the, think about this spiritually. When we're in battle, and something in us, in our spirit, in our world, and we're battling it and so forth, and we're winning the battles and so forth, and then all of a sudden you stop. There, there's some scriptures that talk about things like that. You stop. Uh, I can think of one about the house being swept and garnished. You know, but when you become idle, you know what you allow? That idle mind, that idle thoughts, idle words. Scripture speaks about those things, right? About idleness. Remember the, I don't know if it's in Proverbs or in Psalms, about the... Um, the ant and the sluggard, you know, and the sluggard sitting there watching them and the ants are just industrious, do fixing things up, whatever, because they know winter's coming. 
They're fixing everything up. You've seen ants, how they work, man. They put their stuff together. They make up their whole deal. There's a queen. They have a whole network of stuff. They're storing food. They're doing everything they need to do so that they can survive. Sluggers sitting there watching them. And we talk, use that same term for people today. You're a sluggard. A slugger means you're just slow. You're lazy. You're not, you're not doing very much. But the slugger just took that for granted. Well, winter came. Guess who was in want? The sluggard. Okay. So you, you, if you do things you, uh, in idleness when you should be preparing for things, that's not good. Always keep a prepared mind to serve God. And that has to be through that, that consciousness we're talking about. Let your, con- let your thoughts be on God, you know. And you say, well, it's hard for me to do that. Hey, practice makes perfect. <laughs> Start putting your mind on the things of God. You know, when you have your mind wandering to too many other things and you got a thousand things on your plate, say, ho, 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 let me stop for a second here. God's in my life. You know, let me start thinking a little bit about God. And then it becomes a thing that you don't have to, like, almost manually do it. What you do it is you're always in constant communication with the Lord. And you can receive things from him all the time, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing. Does that make sense? And uh, it's a good thing. So David's idle. He's walking up on the, the parapet on his castle, looks down into the city and sees a house. What does he see? He sees a beautiful woman bathing, you know. And he looks at her, and, he sa- and something catches his attention right off the bat because he tells his servant, hey, who is that woman down there? Oh, that's the the wife of Uriah the Hittite. He said, send for her. Bring her to me. Uh-oh, we're already in trouble. Has he already gone to, we're drawn away of our own ah, and enticed, right? So this is what's happening. He sees something beautiful and he wants it. As a king, normally what happens? I want something, I get it. I'm the king. See how this works? So he, he, he took that too far. Went on and did that, came up. You know the story. Uh, there's one thing that's important that you'll read in there. Uh, um, I don't even know how they use the term. Um, oh, it's a time of her being cleansed of her uncleanness. Um, she had already had her period by the time he sent for her. And so it couldn't be said that she was already pregnant from another source. See, God gives us all the details. He gives us all the details. You go back and read it, you'll find that in there. It was her time of being cleansed from her uncleanness. That's what they called it. So, so she had had that, so she, she was not already pregnant. You know, people can always use excuses. Oh, yeah, maybe she was already this and that. No, nah, God gives the details and tells you what's already going on. Sends for, you know, what he lays with or whatever. That, that you don't refuse the king, especially someone as famous as King David. You know, some as that, all the stuff he had done. So uh, didn't refuse him, but she knew she was married and so forth. But the whole thing comes down. She comes back and tells him, I'm with child. And so he immediately sends a, a thing to Joab. Hey, I want your ride a Hittite to come back here. Joab must have thought, why one guy out of all these? But anyway, he sent your ride a Hittite back, came back, and, uh, and he asked him, like, hey, this is why he wanted him back. He said, how goes the war? How goes Joab, the general? doing? How are things going? Because he's not there like he's supposed to be. And he asked, he said, oh, it goes well, it goes well, whatever. We're still fighting, we're still besieging this place, and we haven't defeated it yet. You know, we're still besieging it. And so he said, well, go on, uh, rest thyself, whatever, go to your home, whatever, and do whatever, and, uh, you know, relax and whatever, and then, you know, before you go back. And so he, they told David the next day, he said, 
He said, uh, did Uriah the Hittite go? He said, no. He slept on the steps of the, the castle there where you're at and, and did not go to his wife. He calls him in. He asks me, say, hey, you, you could have gone home, you know, with your wife and so forth and had a good meal and all of a sudden. He said, look, Joab and the other men that are fighting out there, they're intense. They're out there warring. Lives are being lost. Stuff is being done. He said, why would I go in unto my wife and, and the other people that I'm fighting with can't do that with their wives or whatever? So he said, no, I'm not going to do it. That would be dishonorable. This guy is an honorable guy. And I'm going to tell you something else. He's one of David's best warriors, in case you didn't know that. Uriah the Hittite, good warrior. And so, uh, so David said, ah, couldn't get him that way. Now, are there things being devised? Is what's, what's guiding David now? What would guide you into deception like that? Who's the great deceiver? You see how this is working? He said, yeah, and then I can make it seem as if it's him, you know, and get everything off of me. Now, this is David. The one that, had, that wrote the Psalms had the relationship he had with God. But this is showing you what happens, number one, when you're idle. Number two, you get yourself wrapped up in your world about what you want. Isn't this true? This is a lesson to us. And uh, so anyway, he calls him back in again. He says, um, okay. Uh, he said, uh, why don't you rest today and maybe tomorrow, and then you can go back. And so he, he sent a whole bunch of stuff, meat and whatever, to his house where his wife was, so that he could eat and have it. In other words, he supplied everything so that they'd be able to eat and have a good time, the wine, the, the meat and all the stuff there, the bread and everything. <laughs> his servants come and tell him the next day. He said, did Uriah enjoy that stuff, the, all the stuff we sent to his house and all that stuff? He said, no, King. He slept on the, he said, I got him drunk. Because he had, the night before, he had him drink. And he had him get drunk with him and whatever and sent him out and he knew he was going to go home. Then he's drunk. You know, we're going to go home. He slept again. Inside this man was a loyalty. And he slept again on the steps there. He did not go to his wife. And everything was all ready. The, the stuff was ready for the party in case he wanted to go there. David has sent everything. Look at the deception that's going Look at the things that are being devised here. You know, so it shows you no matter how great a man or woman you are, you allow something to come in that catches you, it can work you over. It'll work you over. It'll make you do things that you know that you're not supposed to do, even if you had the relationship that David had with the Lord. So what is this God showing him? That his flesh is what? Weak. That's what happens. What's in this flesh? No good thing. And that means that Satan's in it because it's no good thing. <laughs> Isn't that true? No God thing. So that's what's in there. So anyway, that you know the story about how the whole thing goes. He gives, uh, he gives Uriah the Hittite his own death warrant, writes it in a letter. And you know what? David's confident in this guy. You know why? He writes his own death warrant and knows that he's not going to open it and read it. That's how loyal this guy is. Takes the letter back to Joab. Joab doesn't understand why David's telling him to do all this. Hey, go up against the city, against the walls. Everybody knows you don't go against the wall. You know why? Because the arrows can rain down or they can throw a rock on your head or whatever it is. But he said, no, you do that. And he said, and when you do that, withdraw from Uriah the Hittite and leave him alone. Let him be there alone. Wow. And they did it. Joab follows orders. That's why he's a general. He follows orders. And they withdraw from Uriah the Hittite and the arrows from the people on the wall kill him. And he sends word back to David. He said, Uriah the Hittite is dead. 
Here's the thing that a lot of people overlook. When his wife got word that he was dead, she mourned for him. Guys, she loved her husband. She mourned. She mourned. As soon as she heard it, she wailed and mourned about her husband. She loved her husband. You see how this is getting worse and worse as it goes on? And uh, so anyway, she gets the news. David hears about it, you know, how she's mourning and so forth. He takes her into his house. He said, now you'll be my wife. Because whatever caused them the problem is dead now. You see what I mean? And so here's the thing. I'm talking about reproof is for love. God sends the prophet Nathan to him. We know the story, don't we? He said, this is a guy that had thousands of sheep, anything that he wanted, doing good. I'm paraphrasing. And he saw somebody else's sheep over there, and he pulled that one you know, little ewe lamb over to himself and took it from the guy that just had the one. And David said, what? He said, tell me who this man is. You know what? Because gonna, I'm going to kill him for what he did. Nobody should do anything. That's wrong. <laughs> and Nathan says, um, O king. Now, Nathan had to be pretty brave. Remember, he's the king. He could tell those men around him, say, fall on him and kill him for even talking to me like that. But he knew he was a prophet of the Lord. Nathan comes up to him and tells him the story, the parable of what happened. And he says, man, the man that did that deserves to die. He said it, man. He made the judgment. Didn't he say it? Woo! Bring that man to me. Bring him to me. And Nathan, I can imagine being quiet and very calm and very nice. O king, thou art the man. Wow. And it hit David. And David, he says immediately, I have sinned. Now, do you think he did not know that he had sinned before that? He knew he had sinned, but now here's the thing about that. Sometimes we sin and we think we can hide things. Remember, they did the whole thing with Uriah to hide everything, you know, and trying to make him go into his wife so they would say the pregnancy was from him and all that stuff. There's a lot of hiding going on here, a lot of covering going on, see? And so that's what happens in these things like that. But here's the thing. God ain't going to go for that. God is true. The truth is going to come out. That's why my wife and I, we've said it many times among ourselves. There are people that do things in secret, or sometimes it may not be all that secret. They do it openly, and they think, ain't nobody's not going to do anything to me. (laughs) You reap what you sow. And we've watched people reap things that they thought they weren't going to reap. We have. We've actually watched it. And they reaped it. And I tell you what I started saying in some things, the things that were reaped by the people, I, I prayed for them. Because what they reaped was very, very bad. Very bad. And I prayed for them. And Lord, you know, but God knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. And he got rid of that thing. I'm talking about for us. He actually got rid of it. But here's the thing. And when he says he's the man, I've sinned. I've sinned. Oh, my God, I've sinned. I know I'm the king, whatever. I know I can cover things if I want to, but this ain't covered anymore. God took a prophet and brought him over to me to stand in front of me and tell me my sin. That's a big thing. Nathan did it too. And Nathan did his job and left. (laughs) You're the man, king. You're it. And you said you sinned. Now I'm leaving it up to you. What you going to do about it? 
You see how that works? It's between him and God. What does he say in Psalms 51, I think it is? He said, between uh, thee and me, I, I sin, my sin. I sinned against thee alone. It was me. It was me. He, he writes a psalm about it, man, because he learned something from this. He learned something from And he said, don't follow what I did. You read that psalm, it's going to tell you, you know, you have to have wisdom. Don't follow what I did. Against thee and thee alone have I sinned. See, people say, well, he sinned against Uriah the Hittite. He sinned against Bathsheba. <laughs> David knew who he had sinned against. He sinned against the Lord. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. There's another little scripture in there. You, when you go read this story, you may have overlooked before. He says, what he did will cause people to blaspheme the Lord. See why it's so important to stick with God? He said, when the people hear this story about what happened, they will blaspheme the Lord because King David, he's King David. He's the one that has this relationship with God. And, and, and then it says, if he fell, well, that means it's okay for me. I can, maybe I can do something, huh? And then here's the thing. He said, no, they blasphemed against it. It will cause the people to blaspheme against the Lord. Very powerful. This is, wasn't all just about David. Sometimes we do things, and guess what? It affects a lot of other people, don't it? We may do something and say, that's just me doing it. But do you realize what you do sometimes affects so many other people? You can't even count it. We're talking to somebody uh, later on today that doesn't realize that what they do causes problems among other people. Um, there's an oppressive spirit there that wants to work, and, and that spirit oppresses everyone that's around this person when these things happen because you see it coming. So it bothers you too. So is it oppressing everybody? Yes. He thinks the spirit is alone with him, or he thinks what he's doing is just his thing. What the thing is, it's going to oppress others, which people don't realize. So that oppression, you know when, uh, I don't know if you've ever read this, the prophet Elijah was walking, and it said, we know he was bald-headed. You know why? Because some children came out from a village and said, ah, you old bald-headed prophet, you know. And guess what? Two she-bears came out of the woods and ate every one of those children up. Because it was a deriding remark to him, wasn't it? That, and it, it makes a point of saying, those kids up there, yeah, you're a bald-headed prophet. Yeah, yeah. You and you know what? He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. He just kept on walking. But two she-bears came out the wood and tore every one of them kids up. So it, it, this is the power. What we need to do is learn to respect the man of God. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. But it's powerful, man. Uh, things that you know in the Bible, oh my goodness. You go back and look up that stuff and you'll find out what I'm telling you is true. What I'm telling you is true. So David was reproved in a big way. Guess what? What he told him. Nathan told him, he said, you know what's going to happen now? The sword's not going to depart from your household. You will always have trouble in your household now. There'll be war and whatever because of what you did, Right? And then he said, and that's not all. This child that she's carrying is going to die. It's going to die. This is all because of the sin of David. But here's what I want you to, to understand about David. He said he sinned. Remember, he didn't do what Saul did. 
Remember when, when Samuel came to Saul and, he, and Samuel, uh, Saul said, oh, I've done the will of the Lord. And Samuel said, well, then what's the bleeding of the sheep I hear and the mooing of the cows and all this stuff? He said, well, the people, maybe nah, people didn't make him do it. He's the king. Whatever the king says they're going to do. If he had done the right thing, you know, and, and God told Samuel, he said, I'm done with Saul. I don't want to have anything else to do with it because he, he has his own way. When he was humble in his own eyes, I made him king, but now he's become something else. Much hatred in him, too, also toward David. The whole deal. So, so yeah, now. Now I've, I, I've left him, and I'm going to give his kingdom to another. You see how this works? So it's a very powerful thing. So what we need to do is please God. Have we learned yet that we need to please God? We need to please God. And the only way to please him is to follow his word, to love him, to trust him, be obedient to him, that'll show you that you love God. You see how this works? You don't let anything get in the way between you and God. Let God be your priority. This is how it works. So the whole deal comes to him. He gets his, what's gonna, he's going to reap from this. This is terrible. And I don't think he knew the full intent of what God was going to do during that time. I don't think he realized the fullness of it until Absalom came after his kingdom. He realized it then. He realized it then. His own son coming against him to kill him and take his kingdom. He realized what God had told him way back for what he had done. Very powerful stuff, guys. So when God says something, he means it. That's why you should keep the commandments because God means what he says in the commandments. So you should take it as God meaning what he says. Mm -hmm. That's how it should be. So anyway, the, the whole deal. And David thought, since he had always had this communion with God, I'm still going to try it. I'm still going to try it. He went down sackcloth and ashes and fasted and mourned so that the child wouldn't die. Because he had done that before and God had answered him and had done what he asked him to do. Not this time. What God said, he said. And his heart was set on that child. And, and his servants came in, and they were afraid to tell him the child was dead. But he turned and looked at them and saw what their faces looked like. Didn't need to tell him. He knew what had happened. He got up, quit fasting, took himself out of sackcloth and ashes and said, you know, God, he's righteous. Whatever he said is right. That's how it was. But he really, David loved the idea of having his children, his wives and his children. So that was a big thing to him. That hurt his heart. But at the same time, he's never going to forget what God has told him and what he should do toward God, period. He knows that. And he said, I've sinned. I've sinned. I know it's me, Lord. It's not you. You're righteous. And, and the thing is, God could have cut him off for what he did. He could have. He could have cut him off, but God didn't do that. So by all of these things that happened to David, David came to a conclusion of what? He knew God loved him. In spite of his sin, he knew God loved him. Loved him enough to send a prophet. Loved him enough to tell him what he was going to do about his sin. Loved him enough to say that you're going to continue in your kingdom. He told him that. Because he probably thought everything will be taken away now. Nope, you're going to continue. You'll continue in your kingdom. He knew by what God did that God was righteous and that God really loved him, really loved him. And in this thing that Nathan did, do you think the forgiveness of God was in it? Yeah, 
He knew God had forgiven him. But that does not mean that you're not going to reap some things for what you did. But God had forgiven him. Let him remain in his kingship, the whole deal. And he did great things even after this, didn't he? Great things with enemies and so forth. And, um, but God did it. So reproof of instruction is the way of life. You think God instructed him in this so that he understands that he will never do this again, ever? Did God instruct him? Did he instruct him to the point that it would cause the people even to get weaker and blaspheme because they saw him do this? Did he realize that it, it didn't, wasn't just him, this went out to all of his army? How many people in that army probably heard what happened to Uriah the Hittite? What do you think Joab thought about the orders he was given? You see this thing just goes out. You know how you throw a pebble in a, in a, in a lake and all these little rivulets go out? It just kept going, guys. There's a lot. You think, oh, it's just me. You know, everything we do affects the body of Christ. If we do wrong, it affects the body of Christ. Remember what it says? He's not going to allow any schism in the body, right? So he's not going to allow that. If it's something that's going to harm the body, he'll put you outside of it. You'll be outside. You won't be in. So this is something important to God. So in order for the body of Christ to be what it's supposed to be, we have to be knit together and we have to do the right thing. We have to walk in the light. We have to trust God. We have to be obedient. We have to have faith. Those are the things God asks us to do. Keep the commandments. Love the Lord thy God with a whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. There are times that we don't, then that allows the enemy to come in and you see what can happen. Does that make sense? You can see what will happen. Did Jesus reprove his disciples, you think? On several occasions. Let's, let's read one. I want to read one. Matthew 8, 26. He reproved his disciples because it's the instruction for life. He's showing them things concerning things that they need to take care of, okay? But sometimes he upbraids them about different things. So read what he says there. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Wow. Rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. Huh? Why were those waves being tossed? And what was really going on? The fear with those disciples was making the waves of the sea, the waters, go up and down. It's really them being in fear and confusion. But he gave them a manifestation to show them that he's over that too. So they were scared, weren't they? And he went out there to the bow of the ship and said, peace, be still. And they said, oh, my God, what manner of man is this that the winds and the sea obey him? Now they get starting to get the picture. You see how it works? That's with us, too, guys. Man, we're tossed all the time. Tossed to and fro. It even says that. Tossed to and fro by the waves of the sea, things that bother us, things that happen in this world. But what manner of man is this? that the winds and the sea obey him. He can calm your fears. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. And you can find what? To your soul. He says rest twice, doesn't he? Rest unto your soul. You want rest? Put it in Jesus. He said, come unto me. See how this works? Very powerful thing. So, the reproof is for love. Do you realize God reproves us because he loves us? Not because he's trying to hurt us in any way. But the reproof comes for us to learn. And if we can learn from the reproof, the instruction of it 
guess what? We become greater, Kiko. Greater in faith, greater in trust. You see how this works? Greater in the word of God, greater into obedience to the scriptures and to the commandments. We become greater. God is great. So if you serve him, you can be great. Wow. This is how it works. And so this is the whole thing. David did that. That's an object lesson for us. Why do you think it's written in there? It's an object lesson for us. For us to learn that, yeah, we may misstep. We may go the wrong way. We may do the wrong thing. But I tell you what, repentance is there. Repentance is there. And that means you're going to take a turn in thought and change your thought completely. You're not just going to say, I repent and then stand there. You're going to change. There's going to be a change, and you're going to change that thought. It's going to be powerful because then you'll overcome that thing that you send in, and you won't have to worry about that thing anymore. This is what God, he's sending these, I'm telling you something, you need to listen to me, guys. He's sending these enemies right now in our life, the things that you're struggling with, the things that you're having trial with, all these things, he's sending them so you can overcome them. They're servants of the Lord. Why is Satan coming up against us so hard? Why is the man of sin still working so hard? God's allowing it for you to overcome. He's a, God gave me a, a vision of that for myself, to overcome that man of sin, to overcome that dragon and that serpent that's agitated in those waters. I know God's doing it because he showed it to me. So it's going to be overcome. Believe it. That's the key. If he showed it to me, can he show it to you? Can you take hold of that and share that, what he showed me? We're going to overcome that serpent. He thinks he's big and bad in those waters because that's his domain. But he's scared of God. And when that angel came down and agitated those waters, he had fear. He thought he was Mr. Big Guy in the waters, but he had fear because he knew God was doing something from heaven, stirring up things so that he is not going to have the dominion any longer. You see how it works? This is for you. This is for all of you. No dominion of him anymore. You have dominion over him. So why is God sending these things? Why are you going through trial and tribulation? Why are you going through things that are tough? Why, why, why? Start thinking. Stop in the midst of that and say, this is what, ah, PK said this is what was going to happen. That's right. Pay attention because it's happening to all of us. Dan said it this morning. He said it last week too. If he's doing that to y'all too, what do you think he's doing with the elders? You think he's trying real hard with the elders and the deacons? Real hard. If he can get a deacon to turn or get an elder to turn, he got one bishop to turn, didn't he? His name was Judas. And somebody else had to take his bishopric. Oh, he thought that was a great victory for him. But then God had to tell him, no, that was part of my plan anyway. <laughs> and that knocked him for a loop. And they replaced him with the great Apostle Paul, didn't they? This is very powerful, guys. God knows what he's doing. But he'll, if he can get a bishop to turn, elder, if he can get that to turn, if he can get a deacon to turn and give up on God, you think he'll brag about it? Think he'll try to make it seem like in your life that there's no hope for you? That's when you tell him to shut up. Because this is what God came for, for us to overcome these things. 
So if some don't believe, does that make the, the will of God of none effect or the word of God? The word of God is still in effect. It's still like he said it was from the beginning. Nothing's changed. What changed is that the weakness of the flesh and somebody allowed them to go, to be separated out, not part of us any longer. But the rest of us are still here. Here's the other thing, too. A third of those angels fell from heaven, huh? Who do you think the other two-thirds are? Still in heaven? And they try and actively to help you, the ones that fell here, so they can get back. And we can all be part of the one thing again. Man, we got angels working for us. We got God working for us. We have Christ working for us. We have all of these things working for us. And it's all because the reproof is for love. God loves us enough to reprove us. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. That's the way of life. The life here and the spiritual life. It covers both of them. It's for life. So you can have life and not death. Isn't that powerful? Very important thing, guys. Anybody have any questions for me about what I said? Reproof is for love. Do you think the forgiveness is in it too? If he loves you, he's going to forgive you, right? When you were speaking about how two-thirds of the angels are still in heaven and a third fell, correct me if I'm wrong, but the third that fell, part of them are still up in heaven, and are those being guarded by the ones that are still there to ensure God's will becomes complete? No, the scripture is very explicit about that. They fell. They actually, it doesn't even say, well, it, they were dragged, weren't they? <laughs> What dragged them? What is the tail of the dragon? The false prophet. They believed word that was not true. They thought it was true. That's what allowed them to be deceived and dragged down. It, they weren't willing to leave from up there. That's why he had to put the tail around and drag them to the earth. They weren't willing. You think they just fell? <laughs> no. They said, what? you know what? We want to stay where we're at, but we messed up. Yeah, we messed up, and that tail got them. And that's what, you know what? They were cast down first before the devil was. Go back and read it. The third were cast to the earth first. He took them out of their place. They didn't want to leave. He had to drag them out by that tail and cast them. They did not want to leave. But they had been deceived, hadn't they? Tried to get into something that they didn't have the knowledge for or the understanding for. He brought something new to them and lied to them and deceived them. Do you think he has stopped? Isn't it the same thing now? Lying and deceiving. Trying to deceive you so that you'll go through another fall. That's why you shouldn't let your countenance fall because that means you believe what he said to you. You see fallen countenances? Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't let me see your fallen countenance. Because you know what it means? It means you believe what was said and you fell again in that thought. Don't do it. Does this make sense? Makes a lot of sense. So I want you to think about reproofs. God is going to reprove you. He loves you. Is for love. Is he going to reprove you, Terry? He definitely will. He's reproved me. Has he ever reproved you, Ernest? <laughs> Ernest likes to smile and then say, oh, yes, because he knows. huh? Anybody else God's reproved? Has he, yeah, has he reproved you? 
And did it do you good if you accepted it? It did you quite good. You learned from it. So has God reproved me many times? Yes, he has. They're far and in between now. It gets less and less as you get closer and closer to God because all you want to do is do the will of God. Does that make sense? Wow. Anybody else have any other questions for me or comments? The reproof is for love because he loves you. God bless you.